0: works versus faith paul talked about faith james talked about works who was right is works bigger than faith or is faith bigger than works or do they complement each other and last week we found out they actually complement each other they're there for each other i want to ask a question in a moment. And I don't, I don't expect an answer. It's a rhetorical question. Don't shout out then. It's this. Are we saved by faith? Don't try to work the answer out and shout it out. I will tell you in just a moment. Well, shall I give you the answer now and then explain the reason afterwards? Are we saved by faith? The answer is no. We're not. But some people say, what? Of course we're saved by faith. No, we're not. I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. You see, there's nothing that we have done to earn salvation. Our salvation through Christ at Calvary on the cross is nothing of our doing. Nothing. No one is good enough to get to heaven. No one can do any good thing to get to heaven. No one can live a good enough life. We are all sinners, the Bible says. And Paul said this in Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. Reading down to verse 12. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one except Christ. He is the only one. This great gift of salvation is a free gift from God. Now I'm going to read a verse which will answer my question. My question was, are we saved by faith? My answer to that was, no, we're not. We're not saved by faith. And here's the reason why. It's in this verse. See if you can spot it ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourself it is the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast so are we saved by faith no we are saved by grace through faith you see it's a little play on words We are saved by grace through faith. It's not our faith that saves us. It's grace that saves us. This is what one great commentator said. Works play no part in securing our salvation. But afterwards, Christians will prove their faith by works. Paul shows himself at one with James. It's a free gift, grace, salvation, through our faith. I, um, I like looking at Bible commentators and what they say about the Bible as I'm doing my studies and research. I look at different commentators, and there's one which I, I like in particular. His name, you might not have heard of him. His name is David Guzik. He's a Bible commentator from America, and funnily enough, strangely in the biblical commentary world he is still alive most of them are dead and this guy's still alive He's, he's quite modern thinking he's really good we are not saved by our faith this is what he said how he described it and as soon as i read i thought what a fantastic illustration i wish i'd thought of it this is what he said think of water flowing through a hose pipe the water is the important part yeah But it is delivered through the hose pipe. The hose does not quench your thirst. The water does. The water is life-giving. But the hose brings the water to the place where it needs to be. The hose pipe is our faith. The water is grace. It flows through our faith. Faith opens the door for grace. And it's grace That saves us through our faith. Easy, isn't it? Simple. So, if anyone ever says to you, Oh, yeah, we always saved by faith. No, we're not. Say, We're saved by grace. Oh, grace. The grace of God. It's getting something that we don't deserve. That's what grace is. We don't deserve anything because we're sinners. We're on the road to hell. We're on the road to nowhere. Is that a song? We're on the road to nowhere. Somebody like that. I don't know. We're all on that road. But all of a sudden, this free gift of grace is there. And it's flowing from Calvary. At Calvary, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, a floodgate was opened, and the floodgates of God's mercy and His grace started flowing. But if you've got a blocked hosepipe, have you ever done that when when you're watering the garden and you're going along and all of a sudden it's like, what's happening? You've tugged it a little bit too hard, and it's come around the corner, and it's got trapped on the wheelie bin wheel, and it doesn't, and it, what's going on? And it stopped because there's the blockage in the hose. So the water doesn't flow. But as soon as you give it a little flick like this, this is what you're going to do to faith. You can flick it like that. And then it opens up and the water starts to flow. If there's a blockage in your faith, is the grace going to flow? We have to open the doors. And that's our faith, to allow this grace to flow through. Do you know, it takes the tiniest bit of faith. You may be sitting here saying, well, I, I haven't got as much faith as you. You don't have to have much. It's the t- tiniest little bit of faith. Saving faith is the smallest bit of faith you could have. Because Jesus is going to say, if you've got faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. So how much, much that that initial bit of faith be? That saving faith is just tiny. Everyone has got that faith. Everyone. And it says, they that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you accept Jesus Christ, Acts 16 and verse 31, call on His name. And everyone will be saved when you call on His name. Doesn't matter how small your faith is. Your spirit comes alive. Do you know, I was talking to someone this week. I sat in my office, and there was a knock on the door. There's someone to see you, just dropped in randomly. And I said, "Oh, send them in, send them in. And this person came in, and I could see straight away there was a problem. I, I haven't seen this person for about six, seven years. And this person walked in to my office and sat down. I said, what's the What's the matter? He said, i got problems. i got major problems. And he broke down. He was crying. I said, why why have you come here? He said, I don't know. I just feel that you can do something for me. I said, let me tell you, I can't do anything for you. But I know someone who can. I said, let me introduce you to him. And I talked to to him about Jesus. He's not a Christian, this guy. And as I began to talk to him about Jesus and explained about this saving faith and what Jesus can do for him, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, please, I want you to. And I prayed with him. And all of a sudden, you could see this lifting off him. You know, he didn't didn't say, oh, I want to become a Christian there and then. But he said, I can feel something. I prayed for peace in his life. And I said, now, as I'm speaking to you about Jesus, I said, just describe what's happening. I was really interested. I said, I'd love to be able to show you what I've got inside, but I can't. I said, tell me what's happening. He said... There is something happening. He said, I can feel a difference. I said, do you know what that is? It's your spirit. Going, taking a breath. Because you know what I've said so many times. When we start to speak about Jesus, it's like CPR for the spirit. Because there is power in the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to all who will believe. And as I was speaking to him about Jesus... I could just see something lifting in him. All of a sudden, I said, that's your spirit coming alive, listening, crying out. Grace is flowing so that your spirit can live. Because at the moment, your spirit, unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is just laying dormant. This is why Jesus talked about being born again. He said, you You need to be born again before you can come into the kingdom of God. Your spirit needs to be alive. And all around him, people's spirits were coming alive. And today, people's spirits are coming alive all because of Jesus, when they know Jesus and they know this saving grace. And they begin to follow him. You see, we're not saved through anything else other than grace. It's God's grace. And it's our faith then that recognize him as as savior, recognize him as Lord, recognizes that a payment has been made for us. It's our faith that, that believes and, and believes that that message is true and genuine, but it's God, gr- God's grace that saves. You might think this, this afternoon that I've done bad things. I'm not a good person. You know, this 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 place is full of good people, and you know what, not me, you don't know what I've done, you don't know what I've been. That's not true, you see. Grace is bigger than that. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you carry or what scars you have. Grace is amazing. Grace is Forgives, grace loves, and it's through grace we are saved, not of works, nothing of ourselves. So that no one can say, "Well, I've done, I did well here. I've I've managed to get salvation through things that I've done." It doesn't work like that. A lot of people think it does. A lot of people think the more you do, the greater your salvation, and, and I can get saved by doing things. And if I don't do things, then I. I've lost my place in the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. It's all through grace. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the cross makes you flawless before God. When God looks at you, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Bible says it's as if you put on Christ. You sink into the garment, which is Christ. You, he clothes you in forgiveness. He clothes you in mercy. He clothes you in grace. That's what he sees. And to him, you're flawless, even with all your flaws. Grace takes over. Christ in us. Christ over us. Us in Christ. You see, just knowing about grace... And just knowing about Christ is not good enough. You could be a person sitting here and you know the theory of it. You know the theology of it. You know how it's supposed to work and you know that. You know, that's not good enough. James 2 and verse 19 says, yeah, demons know that. The devil of hell knows that. They, they know about Jesus. They know about saving grace. They, they know about Christ. They know He exists. They know salvation exists. They know grace exists. But the difference is, they don't believe in it. They don't accept it. They don't live in it, and they don't outwork it. Because I said last week, whatever happens inside you, when that Spirit comes alive through Your faith by grace, it has to be an outworking. It has to come out. It will come out. And it comes out in the the form of of doing good works and, and wanting to serve. It comes out like that. It oozes out. It cannot stay in us. This is where faith and works come together. We act and we outwork what is inside us. What is inside you has to come out. James said this. James 2, verse 4. Any more water there? Somebody give me some more water out there or, or anything? Yeah. I think, I think what happens is I sing so hard that my voice goes. I'm going to have to stop singing. It was all those happy birthdays. Oh, it was just a lemon drink. <laughs> Thank you. It's pure lemon. It's perfect. It's better. James 2, verse 4. Down to verse 5 or 6, I think it is. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith and don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. What is inside you? If that faith is real, by grace, inside you, it has to produce something. It will produce something. So what about works then? What about works after faith? We heard about works before faith. They count for nothing. They count, They don't go towards salvation. They're nothing. They're not going to get you into heaven. We know it's only grace that does that. But what about good works afterwards? Because we're told to do good works, aren't we? We're told to serve, aren't we? Why? What about them? Do our works and our service count for anything then? So do we work, the, the Bible says that we work for rewards? Is it for ourselves? The works that we do afterwards, these good works, is it for ourselves to stack up rewards for ourselves? Well, this is what 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 8 says. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Hmm. Maybe there is rewards for those who work hard. Or is it... Do we work to show Jesus, to shine Jesus, so that others will see Jesus in us as we are serving? Matthew 5, verse 14, 15, 16, Jesus speaking. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So is it for rewards or is it just to show Jesus? Or is it both? You know, i got a feeling that it's both. You see, after salvation, works of service count towards something in eternity. A lot of people get a a bit of a problem with this sometimes. But let me just show you. Let me walk you through some scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 7 down to verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Here's the big verse, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due uh, for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, Paul is explaining to the church in Corinth here that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that we've done in the body, in the body of Christ, in this body. Now, this judgment seat, let's not get mixed up here with the, the great white throne, the final judgment, which you can read about in Revelation 20. That is the final judgment. And that is a judgment of of damnation. This is not that. This is the judgment seat testing people's works of the believer, the works of the believers. Now, if you look at the Greek, you might have heard this word. If you've been brought up in the church, you probably have heard this word. If you're not brought up in the church, you might not have heard this word. This word for this judgment seat that we uh, just read about. Is bema. It's a Greek word. It's called the bema. It was a it was a seat where the Romans would sit in judgment over the people. And you've heard, you might have heard of the bema seat of Christ. This is the bema seat of Christ, where we will come before Him. And works will be judged. And it's not the work itself that will be judged. It's the motive and everything that's behind that work. Because we can do great stuff with the wrong attitude. And if we do things with the wrong attitude, then that will come to nothing. We understand our motives. We can't. It's, everything is, is, is with the right attitude. When we pray, James says, make sure you come with the right attitude when you pray. In our worship, make sure we come with the right attitude. Even in our good works, make sure you you do things with the right attitude. When you give financially, make sure you give with the right attitude. It's all about a heart condition. Paul presents essentially the same sort of idea in 1 Corinthians 3, a bit further on, right, in verse 11. Um, Generally speaking, a lot of commentators think he's speaking to leaders of churches and leaders of congregations, but it's the same principle. Listen to these verses. Corinthians 3, verse 11 down to 15. You know, If you know your Bible, you know these verses. For no one can lay any foundation other than that one is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So in other words, the beamer seat will test everyone's motives and what they've done, and if it's burnt up, it will not exist. But you, you, will, you will be saved. You're there. But if there, if it survives, like the writer is saying here, like gold, silver, stones, that will be a reward. And it will test, be tested by fire. You see, in these passages, Paul makes it clear that what is done and the motive for doing it will be tested by fire, the purifying fire fire of God, everything that is not pure before him, everything that is done in the wrong attitude, wrong motive, begrudgingly, oh God, we've got to go and serve communion today, have I? So I better go to church, I better go. Wrong attitude, wrong attitude. Oh, yeah, they, they need somebody else to help out do this. Or, oh, I, I had an opportunity in work this week to tell someone about Jesus. They asked me about it. And I just couldn't be bothered. Uh, wrong attitude. Or you might have turned around and gone, yeah, Jesus is good. He's really, yeah, uh, yeah, can't be bothered with telling you about it. Whew. What sort of attitude is that? Giving, when you give financially. As the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give begrudgingly. It's all about attitude. And those attitudes will be tested. And, and the works that goes along with them will be tested. James actually writes that those who teach the written Word of God, those who teach and preach shall incur a stricter judgment. So if I'm speaking heresy to you right now, I will come under stricter judgment. James 3 and verse 1, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So some will receive a greater reward for their service in the kingdom? Maybe. Hmm? and I know some people are going, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, study the Word. Have a look at it. Peter mentioned that some will receive an unfading crown of glory. Listen to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. To the elders among you. That means the teachers, the pastors, the preachers, to the elders among you. I appeal as fellow elder and witness of Jesus Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. That is, under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Greater responsibility equals greater reward? Hmm? Make your mind up. Noah, he was one out of millions that was only righteous. Enoch, he was taken so that he didn't see death because he was righteous. Elijah, the great prophet, was also taken. So is it not reasonable to consider that some will have a reward for that? That's the big end of the scale, of course. But on a human level, I suppose everyone is going, those who perhaps can't see this in Scripture, are saying, well, God loves everybody the same, and we'll all be the same. Everything is fine. God loves us all, and we'll all be the same in heaven. It'll be great. You see, on that principle, then everyone will go to heaven because God loves everybody the same. There's not. It's not the principle. The Scripture talks about rewards. It talks about prizes. It talks about crowns. Paul said he needed to run the race to receive the prize, the crown. There are different crowns that are mentioned. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it talks of receiving at the end times when you stand before God, receiving a crown of righteousness. In, one, in James 1 and verse 12, he speaks of the crown of life will be given to those. And in another place, 1 Peter 5 and verse 4, he talks about a crown of glory, all different crowns. But yet there is a, a verse of Scripture, and i have be reminded of it this week. When we get there, we will cast our crowns before him anyway. I'm not absolutely certain what these crowns equate to. I'm not absolutely certain whether they're just symbolic or if they will actually be crowns that will be worn. I'm not absolutely certain. I'm not absolutely certain what rewards will be. I'm not absolutely certain about it. Can't be. But all I can see is what is written here. I do know we will have eternal life with Him. That's the greatest reward. But, of course, in heaven, there's not going to be any jealousy. And if these rewards are there, there's not going to be any jealousy. There's not going to be any any covetousness. Oh, you've got a bigger mansion than me. You've got a pool in the back garden. I've only got a, you know, I haven't even got a pool. What's going on? It's not going to be like that. Nothing's like that. Oh, yeah, you're on, um, you're on Gold Street. Oh, yeah? well, I'm on Bronze Street. You know, I don't think it's going to be like that not like that. What these rewards and crowns will be, I don't know. I can't say I know. I don't. I'm just reading what the Scripture says. But we are told to work for that reward. We are told to strive. We are told to serve. And the Bible quite clearly says that there will be a crown. There will be rewards. There will be a prize I don't know what that will be, but I know one thing is for certain, that there will be no jealousy because jealousy brings separation and God doesn't do separation. There will just be unity. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sickness. And we've heard about the light this morning and the Christ's light will, will be everywhere. We will be living in that. So it's not going to be any Separation. The last thing almighty God wants to do is cause separation. So we do not work for a reward. We work because we love him. We do not serve him for a reward. We serve him because he comes naturally to our spirit, which is alive inside us. Jesus said, didn't he? Love God. Love others. Works and faith. Both together. Loving God is faith. Loving others is our works. It's inside, it comes out. It's natural. I said it last week, didn't I? When Jesus Christ is the root, the works are the fruit. They come natural. We're not, we're not giving so that we can get, we're not doing something so that we can get out of greed and, and, and that wrong attitude. We are giving ourselves and whatever it is because we love him, because we want to serve him. We are acting out our faith by loving and caring and sharing and teaching and giving, helping, encouraging. Do you know, we're even told to encourage each other to work. And I'll I'll end with these few thoughts. Hebrews 10 and verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate or encourage one another to acts of love and good works. So whenever you get somebody standing up here saying, oh, we need some people to help us do this, and we need some people to help us do that, and we got we need to hand with this, that's encouraging people say, come on, let's all work together. Let's put our shoulder to the wheel. We need someone to give some leaflets out here and... and Be the light in in your community, in your workplace. We are encouraging one another to good works. That's what the, the Word of God says. The Scripture says. Let's do that. Hey, and maybe when we get to heaven, these things won't be just burnt up. They'll be tested by fire, and they will stand because We do things with the right attitude, with the right motive. Why? Because we love Jesus. I wonder if we can sing that one song we we did. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me. Why does he love me? Because of grace. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of anything I potentially can do. He loves me purely and simply because of his grace was overflowing at Calvary. And I just happened to have a tiny bit of faith and opened up that flowing gate and that grace and that mercy flowed out for me and for you. It's all because of grace. Works and faith, they go together. They go together. Let's worship him.